is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877 Wow, lots to cover tonight. I hope you'll stay with us throughout the program. You know, uh, Mr. Producer and Mr. Colstern and I were talking before the program. We have an open southern border. People from all over the world are pouring into this country. People who are caught are not being deported. Criminals who are caught are not being deported. You know the media are not covering it. And yet this administration puts its foot down when it comes to Cubans. Who are truly facing horrific conditions. Who are truly facing torture and imprisonment and death. From an iron-fisted genocidal Marxist regime. And when it comes to Cubans being refugees, the Biden administration says, don't even try. Don't even try. So we're sitting here talking to each other, they in New York, me in Virginia. And what's the distinction? And we all came up with the same one. The Cuban community tends to vote Republican. Whereas others, south of the border, tend to vote overwhelmingly Democrat. The Biden administration has so abused and bastardized our immigration laws and policies and rules that if you are leaving a country because you're impoverished, or you may face crime, high rates of crime, then they're trying to stretch the refugee rules to allow you to come into the country and not even wait in Mexico you can come into the country then disperse into the country and then you'll get a court date with in front of an administrative law judge it probably takes two or three years and we now know over 90% of those people never show up on the other hand if you're Cuban trying to leave a communist regime 
that has a horrific human rights record, you're not welcome. You're being told you stay where the hell you are. And you're being told that by the head of the Department of Homeland Security, who's of Cuban ancestry, whose own parents escaped Cuba to come to this country. Now, what do you think about this? And the media are just fine with it. No problem at all. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? I said on Martha McCallum's show earlier today, and I've said it before, Joe Biden is worse than Neville Chamberlain, and I said it about Obama. Why? Neville Chamberlain signed a phony peace deal with Hitler. Joe Biden is funding the Iranian regime. He's ensuring that they will have nuclear weapons aimed at the United States. Even Neville Chamberlain wasn't that much of a moron to do that. And yet that's exactly what Biden's doing. This is a very dangerous, stupid, pathetic man in the Oval Office. Protected by the United States media. And why wouldn't he be protected by the United States media? What is the number one supposed gold standard in journalism? The New York Times, right? The New York Times helped Castro take over that country. Its reporter, as I point out, by the way, in American Marxism, was a mouthpiece regurgitating everything that Castro said, that he was leading a democratic revolution and so forth. You know, there were less than a hundred of, of these, uh, these guerrilla fighters who took over that country. Less than a hundred. So much for the uprising of the, the proletariat and the masses. Well, the masses want their freedom. And they're being put down. Cuba's dark, even during the day. We don't know what the hell's going on there, but words here and there are coming out. Individuals are telling us. Their secret police are brutal. And yet Obama, of all things, bent over backwards to accommodate that government. Biden took an entire day to say anything, and what he said was passive. All but a handful of Democrats have spoken out against what's going on in Cuba. The American Marxists are silent or supportive. That's what we're confronting. What stands between us and tyranny and totalitarianism is the civil society and our constitutional order. Both of which are under attack by the Democrat Party and their surrogates. Both of which are under attack by these Marxist-spawned, Americanized movements. And yet people who suffer under tyranny, people who are brutalized, the first place they want to come to, the United States of America, people in the third world, people of color, desperate to come to the United States of America. And yet look how the American Marxists, the Democrat Party, the media, academia, and all the rest of them, look how they speak of us, look how they treat us. So everybody's free to come over the border except the Cubans. 
Now you figure it out. The border is wide open because they think they're importing Democrats. The border is closed to the Cubans because they dare not import Republicans. I've been telling you this now for several years, even before Biden moved into the Oval Office. And if those were Republicans, two-thirds voting Republicans coming across the southern border, the Democrats would be posting the highest walls, the thickest walls. There'd be a moat with alligators. There'd be sharpshooters. Nobody would get the hell into this country. But because they feel they're going to be Democrats, wide open border. Even though these people are suffering, even though they're in these tents, even though the media have turned their backs on humanity, on what's going on on the southern border. And let's look at this in even a broader way. Joe Biden, in the course of the last week, has lifted significant sanctions against the Iranian regime, allowing billions of dollars to pour into Iran. At the same time, while Iran has been discovered trying to kidnap an Iranian-American journalist who writes and speaks out against them, who lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, at the same time, And look at Venezuela. Look at what's happened to the great country of Venezuela and the economy of Venezuela and the people in Venezuela. It is a Cuban satellite. Maduro can't survive without the support of the Cuban government. And Cuba can't survive without the support of the Chinese and the Russian governments. What does Biden do? He lifts certain sanctions against Venezuela. In the past week. And then our Secretary of State. Our Secretary of State. Invites the United Nations. To conduct a human rights investigation. Of race in America. He invites the United Nations. To investigate. Race relations in the United States of America. The United Nations, the most corrupt, racist, anti-Semitic crap. Well, whatever. In the, in, in the world, almost. This is Biden. Oh, and one other thing. Did you see the video online? It's hard to stomach of the Taliban executing Afghan soldiers who fought with us? Have you seen that? They rounded them up and they shot them dead. I said here earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week, the women and the girls in Afghanistan are going to be brutalized in horrific ways. Anybody who served with the United States or supported the United States or did not support the Taliban is going to have their life taken. Do you really think Joe Biden gives a damn about you? Do you really think the Democrat Party gives a damn about you? You saw what we went through last summer in our cities against minorities. You saw what took place. You saw the violence and the arson. You saw the brutalization of our fellow human beings, the intimidation of our fellow human beings. 
You saw what was done to our police officers who are there to protect us and maintain law and order. And you heard what the Democrat Party said, calling law enforcement stormtroopers. You heard the media talk about mostly peaceful protests. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. People killed. You heard what the Democrats said, because this is part of their base. This is the Bernie Sanders, AOC, Presley, Talib, Omar, Bush, and on and on. This is their base. The Marxists, the violent rioters, the hate America crowd. We have nothing in common with the Democrat Party. If you're a red-blooded American, we have nothing in common with these American Marxist movements. We have nothing in common with the American media, which is why you despise them. We have nothing in common with these tenured Marxist professors. Nothing. We have nothing in common with the NEA and the AFT and all the rest of them. Nothing. They do not represent the vast majority of the American people. And yet they've been able to devour major aspects of this culture. And they now use the Democrat Party for political muscle. What kind of party wants to destroy the independence and separate nature of our judiciary, and particularly the Supreme Court? What kind of party wants to pack the Supreme Court, like fascists and Marxists do, with political ideologues that support their positions? What kind of party goes around with its president popping off about Jim Crow, that this is the worst since the Civil War, when Republican state legislatures are taking what are really quite normal and regularized actions to expand voting, but to protect the vote? Because it wants complete domination. It wants to turn red states into blue states, without the permission or support of the votes of the people in those red states. What kind of party wants access to your text messages? What kind of party sends people door to door to see if you've been vaccinated? What kind of party throws people in jails for months at a time, in solitary confinement, doesn't charge them with insurrection? Charges them with trespass, trying to get them to plead to higher offenses. Almost 600 people. And yet, when it comes to Black Lives Matter and Antifa, does next to nothing to track down their leaders and to charge them with felonies or even RICO violations. You know, we are at a very, very serious time here. Very, very troubling time. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We only have a couple minutes this segment. I want to continue after the bottom of the hour. But before we do, we're going to have a guest, Josh Mandel, in the third hour of this program. There are a number of Republicans running for the nomination for the United States Senate from Ohio. Some people are are coalescing around J.D. Vance. I'm not coalescing around J.D. Vance for one simple reason. He didn't vote for Donald Trump. Not once, not twice. And you would think in 2020, one would know necessity of doing exactly that. That's my understanding. Uh, I've endorsed Josh Mandel in the past. Uh, He is a fantastic young man. We're going to bring him on the show in hour three. I want you to hear from him because he's getting no time whatsoever. We have a couple of billionaires who have gone behind J.D. Vance. This is always the irony to me. I have nothing against this guy, J.D. Vance. Hollywood made a movie out of his book. Uh, Now he wants to be a senator. Um, But some people have been relatively, I mean, relatively, definitely consistent in their views and in their voting patterns and so forth and so on. And in my view, there's no time to play around. So while others are coalescing around one candidate, and another candidate running is a rhino who's led the party in Ohio for some period of time. I think she has DeWine's backing. President Trump hasn't backed anybody yet. He may stay out of it. I don't know. But we'll hear in the third hour, and you'll draw your own conclusions. And um, the president, President Trump, called me last week, and he said, I want to congratulate you. I hear from publishing sources that this book, American Marxism, is a, is a massive hit. And I thanked him very, very much, and he issued a, a very kind, beautiful statement today without any uh, prodding from me, I can tell you that. And I'll read that to you as well. So we will be right back. This is the Octagon of Talk Radio, the Mike Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, it's an amazing thing. Folks, I want you, if you have a chance, go to Amazon.com and look at the bestsellers. You'll see American Marxism is number one, thanks to you. Then number two is Michael Wolf, that kook, landslide, a trashing of Trump is what it is. Number three, thank, frankly, we did win this election. The inside story of how Trump lost. That's the number third book. There are one, two, three of the top six books, not as top as mine, but top six, trashing Trump. Full of gossip. This guy, Michael Bender, is given airtime to promote his book. You know, am I given airtime on NBC, Mr. Producer? CBS? ABC? Of course not. Of course not. And books on gossip about Trump 
Is that what you folks really want to read and really want to hear about when our country is, is in such dire straits? I'm quite serious about this. I'm quite serious about this. And in the next hour, we're going to go over some of the solutions involving colleges and universities. Yesterday, we talked about um, government schools, you know, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, things we can do. Well, Mark, I don't remember everything. It's in the book, and it's even more extensively discussed in the book. And we'll go through some of these other areas that we should go through, in my opinion. And by the way, initial retail sales are coming in. They are huge, and that's you. And that's you. And Costco's got a ton of the books. Walmart, they're all Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, you name them. They all have a great number of books for you. And that, to me, is what is important. But even the media, the Republicans, they don't understand. This isn't about gossip. What happened a year ago in the Oval Office? I got a memo. Who cares? This one didn't like that one. That one didn't like this. Who cares? I mean, seriously? We've got a country in dire straits here. In dire straits. It's almost as if the good Lord is saying, look at Cuba. Look at what's going on in Cuba. Look at Iran. Look what they're trying to do with a journalist. Look at what China's doing. Look at it. Do you guys want to become that? You remember what Ronald Reagan said? Twelve and a half years ago, I dug into the audio, into the transcript at the Reagan Library to get the exact words about how we're only one generation away from losing our liberty. We're not born with it. It's not in the bloodstream. We have to defend it and protect it. That's in the first chapter, but you've heard other people mimic this over the course of the twelve and a half years since liberty and tyranny came out. Can't be distracted with stupid stuff. Now, rather than trash our former great president, and don't we wish he were here today, here's a statement he put out today. Without any promotion by me, without any input from me, you know, I'm sure people go to him and say, hey, can you, I didn't say a word. He on his own. And this is the way he is, by the way. He's a very nice man. Why don't they write a book about that? Statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States of America. Save America uh, of the, uh, is, the, uh, is on the uh, stationery. Congratulations to Mark Levin on the release of his great new book, American Marxism. Now available and doing really well. Mark is an American patriot who loves his country. In American Marxism, Levin explains how the core elements of Marxist ideology are now pervasive in American society and culture, from our schools, the press, and corporations, to Hollywood, the Democratic Party, and the Biden presidency, and how it is often cloaked in deceptive labels like progressivism, democratic socialism, social activism, and more. Get your copy today, Save America! Exclamation mark. And I want to thank the President of the United States, former President. Donald Trump. I didn't ask him to do anything, and yet he did it. And that's very, very kind of him. Now, more on what this Democrat Party is doing to this country. Over at the Daily Caller. And you've probably heard some of this, but you don't know the particulars. We never know the particulars, because these bills are so big, they're so sweeping. 
They're just so massive in every way, and they affect our lives, and we have no say in it. No committee hearings. The inability to attend committee hearings. The inability to raise questions in person with our own representatives and senators. This is where we are right now, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Trunsky, political reporter, Daily Caller. Democrats announced sweeping $3.5 trillion infrastructure reconciliation plan. They already spent $2.3 trillion. They have a federal budget proposal of $6 trillion. Our economy doesn't even create, when you add these trillions together, it adds up to something like $12 trillion. Our economy doesn't create that kind of money. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, a Marxist, the chair of the Senate Budget Committee, announced a $3.5 trillion deal on their infrastructure reconciliation package late today. The deal is the first step to beginning the reconciliation process, which Democrats hope will allow them to bypass a certain GOP filibuster and pass the plan on a party-line vote. So much for Manchin, so much for cinema. They must be defeated. The package includes an array of Democratic priorities that face near-unanimous Republican opposition, including billions for child care, climate change, other forms of so-called human infrastructure. Look at how they steal and pervert the language, Schumer and Sanders said in a joint press conference today. We are very proud of this plan, Schumer told reporters. We know we have a long road to go. If we pass this, this is the most profound change to help American families in generations. This isn't going to help American families growing a massive government into an even mass bigger government. A more massive government. Does it work anywhere in the world? They steal your freedoms. They steal your money. They steal your property. And then they pretend... Listen to the Cubans who are trying to survive. Listen to them. The government says they're going to provide food. There's no food. The government says they're going to provide medicine. There's no medicine. They say all these things. They are liars. That's what they are. Anywhere in the world does this work. Anywhere. In addition to the human infrastructure... They create phrases and words we've never heard of before. Human infrastructure? What the hell is that? That is a Marxist, socialist, economic agenda. It's not human infrastructure. Nothing human about it. The bill will also include money for Medicare to include dental, vision, hearing coverage. Medicare is going broke. It doesn't matter how much money they pour into it. They stole Hundreds of billions out of Medicare for Obamacare, which stole hundreds of billions of dollars out of the private health care system. The expansions were a key goal for progressives. They're not progressives. And Schumer endorsed them in June. Other floated provisions include two years of free community college, paid leave and boosts toward the child tax credit, which Biden extended for a year. This is a massive expansion of welfare. It's a massive expansion of the federal government. You're going to have massive tax increases, every single one of you. They talk about the rich versus the poor. In Venezuela, they don't talk about the rich versus the poor anymore. 
Everybody's poor except for the ruling class. In Cuba, they've lived through this propaganda. It's a reality for them. Everybody's poor except the leaders of the military, the police, and the Communist Party. Though Democrats have a Senate majority, the 50-50 split means that the plan almost certainly needs unified support from Schumer's caucus to pass. Democrats also only have three votes to spare in the House, meaning that just a few defections could tank the bill if Republicans vote unanimously in opposition. But they won't, the Democrats, because there's not a single moderate among them when push comes to shove. Not one. Every damn one of them voted for San Francisco, even Nancy Pelosi, to be the leader of their party and to be the Speaker of the House. Every damn one of them. Now, this bill is coupled with a smaller $1.2 trillion infrastructure framework. 3.5 plus 1.2, Mr. Producer. How much is that? It's $5 trillion, give or take. $5 trillion on top of $2.3 trillion on top of a $6 trillion budget proposal. Inflation through the roof. The price of a gallon of gasoline. Energy resonates throughout the economy. Food, everything, heating, air conditioning, everything. And they want to spend trillions and trillions more, and they say it's paid for. They are liars. The idiot senator here in my own state, what's that jerk's name? There's two of them. Two of them. One of them says, but it's a pay-for plan. It's a pay-for. They just lie. They don't care. They lie. And they're all in on it. There's not one friggin' moderate senator on the Democrat side. Not one. Warner, that puke. That freak of nature. Schumer has said the Democrats will vote on both the bipartisan and reconciliation bills. So you have 11 low IQ Republican senators who walk into the trap. They have a bipartisan bill that pays for cement and steel and real infrastructure, 1.2 trillion, a fortune. And now, and now the Democrats are going to add 3.5. These 11 Republicans, the usual suspects, the usual buffoons, always looking for a middle way, and they screwed us, all 11 of them. They screwed us. They have no idea what's swirling around us here. They have no idea what the Democrats are trying to do to this country and we the people. What they're trying to do to the minds of your children. What they're trying to do to your communities and your neighborhoods. What they're doing to your universities and colleges. What they're doing to our border and the notion of citizenship. They are at war with this society. Let me be as clear as I know how. And you want to hear... Language that incites? You want to hear language that incites? Where's the FBI director? Should he be interviewing Joe Biden for him inciting insurrections and inciting violence? That speech that he gave at the Constitution Center was the most diabolical, evil, outrageous speech any modern president has given in our modern history. Period. Bar none. They complain about Trump and his tweets. Trump never gave a speech like that. 
the most horrendous speech I have ever heard in 50 years of following politics. The most horrendous speech I have ever heard. Inciting, encouraging, you tell people somebody's stealing your vote because of your race, what the hell do you think that causes? Shocking. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I have an idea, Mr. Head of the Joint Chiefs. I have an idea, Mr. Head of Naval Operations. I have an idea, Mr. Secretary of Defense. Rather than handing out Marxist racist books or recommending them to our brave men and women who serve in our multiple military services, why don't you have them read American Marxism? In fact, why don't you read American Marxism, Mr. Head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? You say you read Mao. You say you read Lenin. How hard would it be to read this? Let's have the people who serve the United States military read American Marxism. Why not have a little bit of competition on our college campuses? Send your kids, if they're going to college, with a copy of the book, too, so they can defend themselves, defend your lifestyle, and defend this country against these tenured Marxists. No, can't do that. We're not going to do that. No way. Yeah, well, there's an army of you out there. It's quite obvious. You do care about this country. And you see what's happening in Cuba and Venezuela and these other countries. It's an amazing thing. The Democrats are in charge. Do you feel like they're expanding freedom? Do you feel like they're expanding individualism? Do you feel like they're embracing the Constitution? Do you feel like they believe in national sovereignty and a secure border? Do you feel like they believe in safety and law and order so you can walk in your streets? Do you? Do you feel like the money you earn belongs to you or that they're going to take a whole bunch of it? You're just waiting for the guillotine to fall? These are very devious, diabolical, and evil forces that we're dealing with here, including in the media who hate me, and the feeling is mutual. I want to remind you of a couple of things, if I can pull it up here very quickly, as we close this hour and start the next one very, very shortly. All right. I want to encourage as many of you as possible, because we're going to have a blast. We're going to have a good time. This Saturday, from 1 to 2 p.m., we're doing this with bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, but it doesn't really matter where it is. This is the source through which all of us all over the country can meet this Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m., have a discussion about uh, American Marxism, take some questions and give some answers, and you can get a signed, book-plated copy of American Marxism. There's only a few places where you can get this. It's just the nature of, of the states and the towns and the ordinances and everything else. This is one of them, and one of the only ones. And it's going to happen this Saturday. So Saturday's going to pass before you know it. So if you'd like to participate, I'd love to have as many of you as possible, thousands of you. And we will do this, and you can check it out by going to bookends.com. That's B-O-O-K dash, a straight dash, ends.com backslash. Book dash ends.com backslash. Always go to marklevinshow.com where we also have the link. 
And I also want to remind you that Premier Collectibles has signed copies with certificates, and they're in a beautiful package. Limited edition. Limited first edition. When they run out, that's it. They're gone. You can go to premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. Or again, go to the mothership, marklevinshow.com. If you want signed books, I encourage you to do either one of those. I'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877 3811. They say lots to get here, but I want to spend a little time each program digging in on American Marxism because we need to develop this movement and galvanize and rally. It's not going to go away. It's here, and it needs to be pushed back. Now, you recall yesterday, in the final chapter of the book, I decided to do that because people are very anxious to hear about it. I discussed uh, some of the suggestions on how do we deal with government schools, that is public education, elementary, middle, and high schools, the unions, the bureaucracy, the classrooms, and so forth. If those of you didn't hear it, it's okay. It's in the book. Um, but I also said yesterday that I wanted to address, in part, higher education. And these are ideas I have. These are ideas that are built on decades of legal experience, decades of monitoring this, several years of sitting on a school board and so forth. But you may have better ideas or additional ideas, and I'm all for them. That's the point of the platform, and that's the point of the book. And so I say in American Marxism, those of you who have it, these some like 300,000 of you, it's, I start on page 358, excuse me, 258. Higher education presents its own set of difficulties and challenges. It is the breeding ground of American Marxism, where tenured Marxists and radical professors rule the roost. Indeed, the most subversive colleges and universities should be subjected to the kind of BDS movement its students and graduates often unleash against others. Now, I can't go over territory we've already discussed. BDS I've discussed at some length. There are opportunities for real pushback. Number one. In the first place, any parent who is involved in financially supporting a child's tuition to attend a college or university must at least attempt to exercise some control over the child's decision about which school he or she will attend. Here we have real school choice, and the decision is whether the choice will be a wise one. Thus, the parent must become intimately familiar with a school's reputation for academic freedom, free speech, traditional education, and the like, or whether it is a hotbed of Marxist radicalism and intolerance. Moreover, even if you are not assisting financially with tuition, a parent should still use his or her influence to help direct and guide their child's decision. In addition, if your child may have been accepted into an Ivy League school, you should not be hypnotized by its name and past reputation. For example, among critical race theory's most ardent founders, 
were Harvard and Stanford law professors. Now, as discussed at length earlier in an earlier chapter, the Marxist-based critical theory ideology has devoured our colleges and universities and spawned numerous radical movements throughout academia, which have spread throughout our society. Again, we have a website run by a wonderful professor, Professor William Jacobson, the Legal Insurrection website, and I have other websites, other links, so many sources for you to use, so many resources. It's a website that provides a very useful and comprehensive database of CRT activity on college and university campuses, and it can be found here. I provide the link. Number two, colleges and universities conduct constant fundraising campaigns where they reach out to graduates for financial support. Some of these institutions amass huge endowment funds. This is an easy way to cut off a funding source to schools that are breeding grounds for American Marxism. In fact, campaigns should be launched to inform graduates and potential donors that they should withhold their support from certain colleges or universities that engage in silencing academic freedom and free speech, promote Marxism, and are part of the cancel culture. There are also schools, albeit few in number, that should be supported for their traditional approach to a liberal arts education, and among them, and among the one I'm closest to, Hillsdale College, and there's some others, Grove City, Liberty, and so forth. Number three, the table will be turned on the most radical colleges and universities. Several should be chosen as examples where they are specifically targeted for BDS-like campaigns, that is, boycotted by parents, students, and donors, divested of private sector dollars, and sanctioned by pressure campaigns on local and state governments, as well as corporations, to slash their support for these schools. You'll notice, going on offense, being activists, stealing some ideas from the left, and customizing them to our purposes. Number four, State legislatures are the primary governmental sources of funding for colleges and universities. And in some cases, the primary source, that is, you, the state taxpayer. Yet they do little to monitor or influence how most of the funds are spent on these campuses. Colleges and universities have become empires unto themselves, insisting on immunity from substantive monitoring and oversight, while using the freedom granted such institutions under the First Amendment and the doctrine of academic freedom to silence non-conforming voices, whether they be professors, students, outside speakers, etc. The time is long overdue when legislatures and governors must be pressured to take immediate actions to rein in the despotic aspects of these institutions, whether, uh, oh, rather, which use their liberties to destroy ours. For example, academia is overpopulated by radical tenured professors, too many of whom preach sedition as discussed at length earlier, in an earlier chapter. I also showed that in a survey of hundreds of college and university faculty in 2006, it's even worse now, 80% were found to be solidly left, with well over half of those being extreme left. One in five professors in the social sciences self-identified as Marxists. Fifteen years ago, imagine how much worse it is today. In my book, Plunder and Deceit, I noted studies showing that There is an incestuous network of graduates from the top departments in different fields who hire fellow alumni as they move into the highest positions in departments at other colleges and universities 
to ensure and promote ideological groupthink among the faculty. Well, the corrupt manner in which taxpayers subsidize college and university faculties are recruited, hired, paid, and tenured must be broken up by the state legislatures. In fact, the practice of tenure should be eliminated altogether. There is no legitimate or rational basis for the extreme ideological and political lopsidedness of college and university faculties in numerous departments. Furthermore, there is no good reason why we taxpayers should pay Marxists to teach generations of students to hate their country, protect them from scrutiny and accountability, and provide them with lifetime job security with tenure. This academic cabal is free to relentlessly advance its ideological causes and effectively control America's college and university campuses. It is they and their administrators who have destroyed academic freedom and free speech. Indeed, if academic freedom and free speech truly existed on these campuses, the few professors who do not conform to the majority ideology and even dare to question it would not be threatened, subjected to cancel culture, and have their careers ruined. Students and student groups that defy the campus Marxists would not be harassed and violently attacked. Guest speakers of all views would be welcome, rather than pro-American speakers being shouted down and chased off campus by angry mobs. Commencement speakers would be more representative of the greater society. And so many of America's colleges and university departments have become Marxist-oriented indoctrination mills. It's not surprising that Democratic politicians like Bernie Sanders have proposed free college tuition and eliminating student loans as a way of encouraging more young people to attend colleges and universities. The Biden administration has proposed billions more in higher education spending and grants and promises more in the future. And yet, it still is not enough as colleges' costs, spending, and tuition skyrocket beyond all reason. Moreover, despite their enormous expenditure of tax dollars to subsidize these schools, their ideological inbreeding appears to immunize most of them from regularized, sustained, and thorough oversight and inspection, certainly by Democrats who control Congress and various state legislatures. But state legislatures that do not condone the transformation of these institutions and their huge price tags must immediately begin to claw back future funding from these schools and demand academic and financial accountability. Again, the power of the purse is a critical means by which to check these increasingly out-of-control institutions. Now, what I'm saying is, particularly with Republican legislatures, BDS these schools, slash their budgets, have oversight. But even more, you as individuals, you as individuals have rights. I say students obviously have a take in their own education. If a professor is abusing his role and turning the classroom into a regular indoctrination seminar in support of the many Marxist-related movements, the student should demand that the college or university refund his costs. Even join with like-minded students and object to the professors propagandizing to the school administration. And perhaps even consider litigation along commercial lines for false advertising, date and switch, etc. Be creative. Think outside the box. You can also use Freedom of Information Acts within the states to demand access to budgets, finances, salaries, virtually anything you want 
that is supported or subsidized on the public dime. How often is that done? Almost never. You can FOIA the contracts. You can gather an enormous amount of information. A friend of mine who's an attorney in Florida says to me, I'm reading your book. I just hope people will become active. I said, hoping people will become active ain't going to cut it. I said, what's interesting, you as an attorney, you can actually sit at your desk and become an activist. There are ways to file complaints with the Internal Revenue Service. You can file complaints with other entities. You can file Freedom of Information Acts. You can gather information. There's an enormous amount you can do just sitting at your desk. But I don't recommend just sitting at your desk. What else? Since the Biden administration is actually giving cover to colleges and universities that accept untold tens of millions of dollars in foreign subsidies and donations, including from communist China, which has established Confucius Institutes throughout American academia, and despite the Senate's recent action tightening controls on these funds, state legislatures should be pressured to compel these schools to report the receipt of these funds and then ban them. China and other countries are using these funds to buy favorable and supportive propaganda and coursework for the repressive regimes. Maybe some of these legislators in some of these legislatures should take the proposals in this book and start passing them into law. But we don't have to have them. You independently can do many things. Should colleges and universities refuse to comply, state legislatures should further slash their funding. Do not overlook that you can use, as I said earlier, Freedom of Information Act laws to collect all kinds of information from, from and about public universities. And the federal applies to the Department of Education, where additional information on these schools undoubtedly exists. DOE, or the Department of Education, has enormous, enormous amounts of data involving every one of these universities. Whether it's grants or contracts, whether it's racial information, there is a treasure trove of information in these public schools. There is a treasure trove of information in these colleges and universities. And if thousands of you, on your own or collectively, take steps, they will not know what hit them. You can clower it and pivot, and, uh, and pivot them as well. And so, again, these are just some of the ideas. And tomorrow night, because I want to take a break, we're going to discuss corporations. What do we do about these corporations? Now, I don't want to overwhelm you. It's all in the back of the book and more, lots more. There's a lot in the first six chapters, lots more. You take your time. I tell you who these people are. I break it down. They create words. They think they're smart. Not so smart. But we're losing the battle. We need to claw our way back. The fact that they think that they can take our children and teach them the kind of sexuality they want to teach them, teach them the kind of racism they want to teach them, and overall push the kind of Marxism agenda that they're pushing... The idea that we have a corrupt media, and we'll get to them, very important, that is their mouthpiece, that are the propagandists. That corrupt media that in the past has supported Stalin. Some of it's even supported Hitler at the New York Times, and has supported Castro. That should tell you a lot that you need to know. And the fact that we have a Democrat Party today that tolerates a poisonous growth of anti-Americanism, Marxism, and anti-Semitism, that believes 
that the Constitution was written by a bunch of slaveholders, so therefore it's only relevant if they can use it against us. No, 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 no. We got to engage. I'll be right back. Mark Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to diminish the fact that this is a book that is uh, significant on scholarship as well, uh, with the proposals and so forth. Uh, it's it's a real mix. It's a, it's a different kind of book than I've ever written before. And if you go to Amazon.com and you look at the comments and the five stars there, you'll see that people are really embracing this. And by the way, if you've purchased the book at Amazon, I hope you'll go there and give your comments and write the book as well, because a lot of people look at that. Now, what will happen since I mention it is the left will go in there and trash it, even though they haven't read it. So, I mean, if you're earnest about this, I hope you will do exactly that. Now, let me take a few calls here, uh, because people have been waiting. Let's see. Let's go to Florence, Seattle, Washington, the great KTTH. Florence, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm so much more um, settled now that I'm talking to you. Thank you. You know Mark, Dr. Dr. Levin, Mark. Um, I, I have, you went, you syndicated in 20, 2006, roughly. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, our local conservative talk show picked you up. So for 15 years, I've been a devotee because you wow. were the only one then. You are still essentially, but not to last long, the only one who understood Marxism. And I've been a student of Marxism for 60 years. And I view you and have for the last 15 years, ever since I heard your first broadcast, you are the current um, manifestation of Tom Paine. And I see your book as the ammunition for us patriots, for we patriots out here in the country, to grab onto and use for our first round. This is our first battle. And I see your book is essentially the Battle of Trenton because it's unexpected. The enemy does not know what you have done in that book. And millions of Americans soon will. And it will be a motivation to see to it that this insanity stops because they've been working surreptitiously, silently, secretly, deceptively for, a, well, since actually 1917 and even before. They are you know, not- Florence, I could listen to you all night. You're so informed and so well-spoken, but I have to go. I want to give you a signed copy of American Marxism, and I want to thank you, thank you for your very, very gracious comments. Really, you're just terrific. Please call back. Do not hang up. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. One more piece of business before I go to the calls again. And that's this. I've told you there's three ways to get a signed book. One of them will end at 2 p.m. on Saturday at Bookends. If you want to join us there, by all means, go to book-ends.com backslash book 
dash straight dash ends.com backslash. Or you can go to our friends at Premier Collectibles, uh, and they have a, a, a signed book plate book for you there if you'd like to get that. And um, in that case, uh, they also have a certificate and a box that goes with it as well. And uh, that's premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. Now, if you want to meet me in person, and you want to go to the Reagan Library, even though the lecture is sold out, you can still secure a place in line by pre-purchasing a book. And I'd love to see you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see you. I'd love to meet you. Go to reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. That's reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. I know of no other way to get a signed copy. And in the case in the Reagan Library, you'll actually, we'll actually get to meet each other. So I would encourage you to do it because all of this will come to an end very quickly. The bookends event will come to an end very quickly. Premier Collectibles, once their limited edition books sell out, they're no more. And of course, once the Reagan Library has sold out the number of positions in line for you to get a book and for us to meet, uh, that'll be done too. And this will all probably be done in the course of a week or ten days, if not tonight. It happens so fast. And uh, because you're such great patriots, you're sitting on the edge of your seats and you're ready to roll. I can already tell. And that's a great thing. All right. Let's take a few more calls here. Steve, Fredericks, Virginia, XM Satellite. Steve in Virginia, how are you, sir? I'm doing fabulous, Mark. I'm doing fabulous. I've been Thank listening you. to you for the past seven to eight years. And, uh, you know, as a as a African-American conservative business owner, retired Marine Corps veteran. God bless you. I find your show one of the best uh, real talk shows that tells the truth. And I truly appreciate it. I purchased two of your books so far, Unfreedom of the Press, which is an excellent read. Thank you. And I just received seven copies. Whoa. Seven copies of American Marxism. Seven copies. What are you going to do with them? In my office, in my business office. Yeah. I'm putting one in my business office. I've given a couple uh, to uh, a cigar lounge that I hang out at. Yeah. Uh, whereby they can read and understand because they're true conservatives. And the rest I'm going to mail out to some family and friends. I mean, this is real. Uh, people need to see it. And I, I really, truly appreciate you keeping it real. Uh, everything you said is on point. My disappointing part is that people out there that say that they're woke are not truly woke. I am woke. Mm-hmm. And the woke disease, you lose everything you got if you go the wrong way. And that's where they're taking this country. And that's the sad part. But you're Amen. keeping it real, you're keeping the hope alive. In fact, I'm running for school, so I'm running for the school district for it. Wonderful. Uh, so now, where is really here? inspired me. Fredericks, Virginia? Uh, this is Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Virginia. I know where it is. Yes, 66 sir. and 81, all the way yes, out there? Sir. Yeah. Oh, well, no, 90, I actually went off 95. 95. Well, Steve, uh, if you'd like, give us your last name. It's up Steve to you. Clark. Steve Clark, all right? You're going to run for the school board yes. out there? Yes, that's me. All right, man. Well, Absolutely. God bless you, Absolutely. and uh, don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy 
of American Marxism. Put that one in your office and give the other one to somebody else. And thank you, Steve. You're a good man. I tell you, I can feel it. I can feel it. Things are moving out there. I hope so. I really believe it. Let us go to Brent, Madison, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. Brent, how are you? Pretty good, yes, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, I spoke to you not that long ago. I'm an attorney. We won a state Supreme Court case. I'm not sure if you remember. I remember it you. Matter, but uh, prior be- <laughs> prior to becoming an attorney, I was in the Marine Corps for quite a while, and uh, one of my last deployments involved going to Afghanistan and living and training uh, Afghan Army and Afghan police. And what's happening today? Uh, in Afghanistan is is extremely disheartening. Uh, thankfully, I was able to have one of my interpreters come over to the United States. I sponsored him, uh, so he is now a, a citizen. But what's happening out there is is, is terrible. There's no other way. They're already starting. Describe. They're already the Taliban's already starting to execute them. There's a right. video. They're execute. I, uh, they're executing uh, Afghan army members. And you don't get a word out of this White House about any of it. There's so much blood on the hands of this administration, whether it's the border, whether it's this sort of thing, whether it's, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Yes, it is. Um, the other reason I'm calling today is, uh, you know, I got a copy of your book. I, I didn't listen to you. I read through the first six chapters really quickly. I'm now going back through them and, and uh, you know, making sure I have a good foundation to read the seventh chapter on. And uh, I am, I'm happy with what you wrote. I've learned a ton, and I can't thank you enough. And, and when it comes, I heard you yesterday speaking about uh, local community groups starting up and, and moving forward. And I would just like to inform you, in Wisconsin, there's a lot of local groups coming that have already formed and are starting to do the things that I that you're proposing in your book. And it's great. I've been able to speak at a lot of school board meetings the last uh, couple weeks, and I have more uh, meetings coming up. So I'm, I'm... You're a leader, bro. That's fantastic. It's very, very important. And I want to thank you, Brent, and thank you for all you're doing. Don't hang up. We want to send you a signed copy as well. And thank you very much. Till I run out of them over the course of the next two weeks, I guess. That's what we'll do. Aaron, Tucson, Arizona, the great KNST. Aaron, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. So I don't know whether to be upset with my son or be a proud father. You know, I sent him to Jewish day school to learn how to, to respect his parents and not steal. Came home to, to start reading your book, and uh, I couldn't find it. I got notification from Amazon that it was there. I went upstairs, and there was my 15-year-old son reading the book. Wow. You know, normally he, he is <laughs> he is taking my hand-me-downs of, uh, uh, you know, your, your books uh, on freedom of the press, and I, I've, I've got them all. And, you know, I sent him to the Jewish day school, and, and I, at one point I insisted that not his teachers but the head of school grade him because I'm, re- I'm raising him to be a critical thinker um, and uh, not be indoctrinated. He's actually going to University High School here in Tucson, which is one of the top 20 schools in the nation. Um, and, uh, you know, he's... He, he thinks from all sides, and, and we have such intelligent conversations. I truly credit yourself, as well as my wife, uh, because of the way he's been raised, uh, listening to you uh, on the radio as well as television. 
Well, listen, Aaron, that's wonderful. I, I appreciate it. What is your son's first name? His name is Vev, V-E-V. Oh, yeah. Well, give him my very, very best, and we'll send a copy. He can take the signed copy. You can take your copy back of American Marxism. So don't hang up. We want to get your address, my friend. Thank you. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I've been thinking about something the last 48 hours, and I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm going to say something. Stephen A. Smith is a friend of mine. Many years ago, at a radio seminar, which I don't think he nor I attend anymore, I didn't know him. This has to be like 20 years ago. And he ran up the stairs of this place, and he came up to me and he says, you know, I don't agree with everything you say, but I like the way you do your show. I said, thank you, because the two of us are passionate, but we're also substantive. Now, a few days ago, he said something he regretted on the air, and he apologized for it. And he truly regretted it, and he truly apologized. And people are saying, oh, he caved. He didn't cave to anything. Sometimes when you're on the air as many times as he is, as long as he is, many times I am, as long as I am, you say something, you think about it, and you regret it. Or people will raise it with you and you think about it and you say, no, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. It takes a real man to admit it. And to apologize for it. And yet there are people for whom an apology isn't enough. An acknowledgement isn't enough. They want to destroy you. And they get their jollies out of trying to destroy you. They get their jollies out of trying to character assassinate you and smear you. To destroy your, your decades and decades of career, your decades and decades of life. It's something very strange in the human anatomy. I don't know what it is. People like to see people hurt. People like to see people destroyed. He's a good man. He and I don't always agree, that's for sure. But he's a good guy. And he doesn't have a bigoted bone in his body. And by the way, neither do I. So get the hell off his back, those of you who are causing problems. Not in this audience. All these social media cockroaches. That's what I'm talking about. Said what he said. He apologized for what he said. He means it. And he's an enormous talent. It, I love watching him. I mean, I was watching the UFC fights, and there he is. He came on in the beginning with some of these other guys. It was a great surprise to me. I wouldn't have picked the same jacket he picked, but that's, what, that's up to him. And by the way, I love MMA, and I love the UFC in particular. And this Portier, what a great kid, what a great fighter, what a class act. That's right. He kicked McGregor's butt. I know how that first round ended, but he was going to beat him anyway. And a lot of the things that McGregor said about his wife and so forth, just disgusting. 
I don't wish harm on him or anybody else. But that Portier was terrific. I love listening to these guys. I really do. Joe Rogan is terrific. At least when he's doing the UFC stuff. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Mark, what do you mean? I'm sorry. I'm busy. I got stuff I have to do. I truly do. But Daniel Cormier is great. There's so many. I can't name them all. And these are very patriotic men and women. Even the people who come fight in foreigners from Brazil and Mexico and other places around the world, Australia, Russia, they're very respectful of the American flag and the American audience and the American people. Very respectful. You don't see any protests. You don't see any whining and, oh, look at that. No whining and complaining. And they beat the crap out of each other. May I say this? The men are really men when they're in that ring. They really are. The women are tough. I have to confess, I have trouble looking at the women, you know, beating the hell out of each other. Sometimes I, you know, I'll go off and get Hershey bar or something. But nonetheless, I enjoy it very much. I look forward to it. It's a hell of a league. It's run by a serious man uh, who, uh, who's very, very patriotic. You know, not run like these other leagues with these phony left-wing liberals. Or we're going to give $150 million to increase diversity. How about $150 million? You really want to do something with it? Cut your ticket prices. So more and more of the population can come to your damn baseball games. I'm tired of these multimillionaires with these huge contracts who live in these massive homes in the suburbs and the outer suburbs. Maybe they have two homes, three homes, five homes, all kinds of sports cars, down for the revolution. They can go to hell. I have no use for them. But the UFC man, the best. All right. I don't know how I got here, but I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877-381-3811-877-381-381. In about 10 to 15 minutes, Josh Mandel, who is uh, running for the Republican nomination for the Senate in Ohio, will be on the program. There's a piece at Just the News, which is an outstanding site. Reality check. What's really in the Texas voting reform bill? Isn't it amazing how much media coverage there has been of all the drama, but almost none of the substance? Texas Democrats, as you know, fled the state to protest the Republican-backed legislation, but its modest reforms belie opponents' apocalyptic rhetoric. As they point out here, Daniel Payne, Texas Democrats threw their legislature in disarray when they fled the state for Washington, D.C. in an effort... Uh, to oppose the Republicans. And I might add, they met, of course, with Schumer and Pelosi and Harris. It was all one big circle, you know what. 
The fleeing Democrats have cast the bill in apocalyptic light as a full-scale attack on core voting rights. And, of course, Biden has called it the worst thing since the Civil War. By the legislation formed by one bill in the Texas House and one in the Texas Senate, it is mostly a modest reform of the state's voting rules relative to both existing law and other slightly more far-reaching bills passed by other state legislatures in recent months. Republicans are trying to make it harder for the people of Texas to vote, said State Representative John Boosie III. State Representative Diego Bernal argued the GOP reform bill was an attempt to rig the system, while State Representative Trey Martinez Fisher suggested the flight of Democrat legislators was a stand for democracy. Now, the remarkable step of fleeing the state for Washington, D.C., has served to paint the Texas bill as an even more dire threat to voting rights. Yet largely missing in the ongoing debate has been detailed, objective discussion of what is in the bill and why Democrats are opposed to it. The bill makes it harder for election workers to bar or eject poll watchers from polling places and strengthens their ability to survey most parts of a voting location. Well, that's racist. That's voter suppression. During the 2020 election, reports serviced in various states across the country of poll watchers being blocked from observing critical ballot counting process on election day and afterwards. Hey, that's, that's oversight. You can't have that. It's intimidation. It's racist. Now, under the bill, voters who wish to vote by mail would be required to include their driver's license number on the application. If they don't possess a driver's license, they would be required to use the last four digits of their Social Security number. That's racist. Well, then having a Social Security number... And a driver's license must be racist. The legislation would also forbid public officials from proactively distributing mail-in ballots to voters. You know, mailing them all over the place? Texas residents would have to request a mail-in ballot in order to receive one. Definitely racist. And the bill would forbid residents from voting from their cars unless the voters suffered from a disability that prevented voting inside the polling location. You mean people are voting outside the polling location? I didn't even know that was taking place. Texas Democrat Michelle Beckley, one of the lawmakers who fled with colleagues to Washington, D.C., said in a statement the law was filled with voting with vote-suppressing provisions. Both versions of the bill imposed restrictions on expanded early voting hours, threatened election officials with criminal charges for removing disruptive partisan poll watchers, Is that a problem? Shouldn't you remove disruptive partisan poll watchers? And even allow partisan poll watchers to threaten election workers with frivolous litigation. The bills unnecessarily make it harder to vote by mail by requiring voters to provide sensitive personal information. You mean like identification? And increasing the technical requirements for both voters and election workers when dealing with vote by mail ballots. Obviously she's a nut. They get caught up in their own lies and propaganda. Dire Democratic messaging regarding the law was underscored Monday night when a group of the voluntarily exiled Democrats, while in a parking lot at Dulles National Airport, broke in the rendition of We Shall Overcome, a well-known gospel song that was regularly intoned by activists during the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s. This is all done for the media, just so you know. It's all done for the clowns with the microphones and the cameras and the little notepads. It's all done for them, all of this, because they all work hand in glove. 
Media coverage of the controversy, meanwhile, has frequently avoided putting the actual contents of the bill front and center in the ongoing reports on the matter. How many times have I said that, Mr. Producer? Tell us what's in the bill. And tell us what's in the Democrat bill on Capitol Hill. Put your damn charts on the monitor. A CNN article on Tuesday, for instance, referred to the legislation in question as Republican restrictive voting bills that appear tainted by political opportunism. Well, that's the constipated news network. We all know they're full of crap, hence the constipated news network. Yet the article only examined the contents of the bill after 21 paragraphs, and even then mostly obliquely claiming the bill, for instance, introduces new restrictions for voting by mail. Yeah, like, we need an ID. Oh! Can't do that. Clearly racist. A Monday New York Times Holocaust-denying New York Times article, meanwhile, styled the bill as restrictive new voting law by the Republican-controlled legislature. But the report only briefly addressed the actual substance of the bill after nearly 30 paragraphs. Well, we know the New York Times is a disgusting corporation. We know CNN is a disgusting corporation. We know all this. And they lie to you by omission, by censorship. By pseudo-news, by propaganda, they lie. this is why you hate them. And by the way, they're hated across the board. Because you know they're liars, you know they're frauds, you know they're front men. And women, may I say, birthing people. And they are lying and carrying the water for the Democrat Party and vice versa. As I've said many times, if we had a media that was only 50% objective... We wouldn't be where we are today. But they want us to be where we are today. And they want us to be further along. And how dare you question the media, the enemy of the people? What are you, Stalin? Stalin? What are you, Mao? Stalin? Because we want you to have integrity and be objective. Oh, that must be Stalin. Well, you would know a hell of a lot about Stalin, particularly the New York Times, since you were kissing his ass for 12 years with Walter Durante and lying to your readership. And apparently the readership of the New York Times loves to be lied to. They love it. What can I tell you? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us go to George, Albuquerque, New Mexico, on the Mark Levin app. George, how are you, George? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks. Uh, you I need to put to... a little bit of oil in that door there. It's squeaking, you know. <laughs> Did you hear it? <laughs> um, I just wanted to make a comment, Mark, on the uh, LATCRIT, the critical race theory. And it, it's interesting, you know, here in, in New Mexico, you know, they're using the LATCRIT uh, to try to rewrite precious history. You know, we have a lot of Native American. Let me, uh, let me, extend. don't, don't leave me, George. Let me just explain at this point. Latcrit is explained in the book. Many people haven't heard of it before unless they listen to this program, but you'll read about it in American Marxism. What it is, it is, it is the same kind of assault on American history. And the bottom line is that the United States of America is basically an illegitimate country. That it was founded by white Protestant Europeans, they were the interlopers, they were the illegal aliens who stole the property, stole the land, the territory from the indigenous peoples. Now, I don't know who the indigenous peoples are, depends on how far back you go, I suppose, so that you cannot have something called illegal immigration, when the illegal immigrants are the people, that is, American citizens who are here. Now, if you happen to be a Hispanic American, 
and you happen to believe this is crap, they will argue, just as they argue in critical race theory, well, you're the one with the problem. Because your mind has been colonized by the white dominant uh, culture. And so you're not so much a sellout that you have been dominated, you have been imperialized and colonialized. And again, you'll read about this, and I will give you the sources of this information, the books and the so-called scholars. And I think that's had an enormous influence on open borders in this country and what this President Biden is doing to this country. All right, George, go right ahead. I'm sorry. No, and that's fine. Great. You know, what's interesting here, Mark, is that, you know, they're using the radical leftists are using that same ideology to uh, to talk to um, infect the history here. And what I mean by that is like, you know, they want to try to that same principle that they use. They try to do that with our history here as Hispanics, Mm -hmm. you know, because the Spaniards came and, you know, they want to tear down these statues here, of the, you know, of just our history, right? And they, they infect it with the same exact concept, and, it, and it's not even with, you know, the colonialism. It's the history mm-hmm. here. It's infecting here as well. And that's what's really interesting, that when you brought up Latcrit for the first time when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting because it's happening here, right? And they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're indoctrinating the young generation, the young Natives and Hispanics, Americans, to think that, you know, people are, are racist, right, or that to hate America, right, because mm-hmm. that's what happened, and that's a part of the history. And I just, I think it's it's unfortunate, and it's it's interesting because we got a mayor of the capital here in, in New Mexico and Santa Fe. He's not even from here, right? And a lot of mm-hmm. these people are allowing these people to come in and to protest and these activists and to push this stuff that has nothing to do with any organic grassroots movement here. And it's pretty interesting. All right, my friend, uh, I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. Let me ask you a question. Are, are you uh, Hispanic? I am, yes. My ancestors are from Spain. My wife says that American Marxism should also be spub- published in Spanish. you think so? Absolutely, Mark. You have a lot of patriots that are Hispanic, and they need to hear about it, you know, absolutely. I'm going to suggest this to the publisher, because I believe that, too that the book should be published yeah. as well in Spanish and, and, and spread the word as far and as wide as we possibly can. So, George, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy, and thank you for your call. Very much appreciated. Let's take another call. I think we shall. Let's go to Brad in Oklahoma, Cushing, Oklahoma, on the Mark Levin app. Brad, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. I just wanted to comment. I thought it was kind of strange how uh, migrants can come into the southern border, but, you know, coming from Cuba, they, you know, wave the American flag so that, you know, gets shut down. It's just I, I agree with you 100%. I believe that was in the, part of my opening statement in the first hour that uh, we know why they're doing this. We know why they're doing this, because the Cuban community in America is largely, at least often, Republican and patriotic. And the Hispanic community generally, and this is not an attack on anybody, uh, but when you look at the stats that the liberal media give us, um, uh, indicate in or Pew or, or whatever the service is, that uh, they vote about two-thirds Democrat. So the Democrat Party is playing this for politics. That's exactly what they're doing. Why shouldn't yes, sir? Cubans be able to come into this country if they're trying to flee murder and, and imprisonment and torture? 
When the Biden administration has said and tried to expand the definition for refugee status, when it comes to others south of the border, if they fear they, they face criminal situations or poverty, we're talking about people who are trying to save their lives here, right? Yes, exactly. No, I agree with you, Brad. Thank you for your call, my friend. And I'm sure the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes, I'm sure the Constipated News Network and MSLSD, I'm sure they will all unite in saying, Joe Biden, what are you doing? No, they're not going to unite at all. They will protect Joe Biden as they protect themselves. They're frauds. Let us go to Frank in Napa, California, the great KSFO, beautiful area of the country. Uh, Frank in Napa, how are you, sir? Oh, very well. Thank you so much, Mark. What an honor to speak with you and to thank you for your books and your defense of liberty. Thank you. Mark, when I was a young man, I hand-wrote a copy of the Declaration of Independence, and I signed it big right next to John Hancock Yeah, because I am an American and I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And I would like to suggest that parents, we're talking about parents sending their kids off to uh, college, that parents sending their youngster off to college require that they handwrite a copy of the Declaration of Independence and sign it because they believe in it. And if they won't sign it, and you're going to send them defenseless to a college, don't do it, or at least don't pay their way to that college. I, I don't mind that, uh, but I want them armed also with an understanding of who these tenure professors are, what these organizations are, what they're seeing in their textbooks, what these lectures are all about, so they can be the kid in the classroom who raises his or her hand and says, wait a minute, what about this, and what about this? And so, in addition to embracing our founding principles, they are in a position to debate, to debate and confront uh, the, these tenured professors and so forth who are teaching them this hogwash. You know, I used to do this when I was in college and law school. Obviously, we weren't learning critical race theory and that sort of thing, but we were learning other rather extreme uh, ideologies and, and uh, arguments. And uh, I was the guy in the back, raising my hand, raising questions and so forth. And I would have kids come up to me, black kids, brown kids, white kids, whoever they were, and wanted to know more about what I was saying. Where did you get that from? We can make a difference in the classroom if our kids are informed and are prepared. I'll be right back. establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Well, it's critical, ladies and gentlemen, that we hold the Republican Senate seat in the state of Ohio. The Republican primary there for the nomination is getting very, very crowded with people claiming to be all things to all people, particularly to be Trump supporters and conservatives and this sort of thing. And I wanted to invite Josh Mondell onto the program. I see J.D. Vance has one or more billionaires backing him with millions and millions of dollars put into these, uh, these various PACs. So they clearly want him to win. But it was my understanding that he didn't vote for Trump twice. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's true. And also his very uh, popular book, which sold millions and millions of copies, was used by Hollywood to make a movie. 
uh, and I, I can see that uh, he's backed by a number of individuals, and I'm not just talking about media individuals, but a number of individuals, and some of them with very, very deep pockets. So I thought, let me ask Josh Mandel to come on the program, because the last time he ran for the Senate, I endorsed him. He, you're also facing uh, Josh Mandel, some uh, big-time rhinos, part of the Republican Party in Ohio, who are pretending to be conservatives. So tell the American people, and tell the people of Ohio, if you would, a little bit about your background. Thanks, Mark. I am uh, fully anti-establishment. I am not going to Washington to just drain the swamp. I'm going there to blow up the swamp. Uh, while I'm, I'm going to take on the radical left and the secular left, I also think that we have a fight for the soul of the Republican Party, a fight for the soul of the conservative movement, and we can no longer afford to elect Mitt Romney's, Liz Cheney's, or these J.D. Vance's who are rhinos just like Romney and Liz Cheney. We need to elect reinforcements for Ted Cruz, reinforcements for Mike Lee, reinforcements for Jim Jordan, and for Donald Trump. And that's exactly what I am. I'm a Marine Corps vet, did a couple tours in Iraq. I'm a constitutional conservative, and I'm a fighter. I'm not going to Washington to make friends. I'm not going to Washington to get invited to the cocktail parties. I'm definitely not going there to get liked by the media, the mainstream media, Deadwood media, social media. They already hate me. I'm going to Washington to stand up for the Constitution and to take on the establishment. And these have been your views for a long, long time. I remember the first time I interviewed you when you were running. You expressed almost exactly the same viewpoints, although Donald Trump wasn't in the uh, in the political mix at that time, but you said the same things. You've been consistent in your in your viewpoints and so forth. Why do you think so much money is lining up behind J.D. Vance, including a, a billionaire who I think has set up a PAC for, the, for this purpose? And why do you think um, uh, there's also the Republican Party that's trying to run, what is it, the former head of the Republican Party of Ohio uh, in the primary, too? Why do you think that's taking place, to try and stop you? Exactly. The establishment wants to stop me, and the never-Trumpers want to stop me. As you know, I mean, this is all over the Internet. J.D. Vance was a big never-Trumper. Those are his words, not mine. Uh, J.D. Vance not only trashed President Trump, but, Mark, he also trashed us as Trump supporters. He called us racist. He said the core of Trump's support was based in racism. Uh, he called uh, Trump voters vile racists. This is the stuff that he posted online, and you know, he was essentially taking the same position as Hillary Clinton. And then when it came time to vote for President Trump against Hillary Clinton, which, of course, I did, and of course you did, and of course your listeners did, J.D. Vance couldn't vote for Trump against Hillary Clinton. Think about that for a second. And so, yeah, the never-Trumpers are putting a bunch of money behind him. And then the party establishment is backing this other lady you mentioned, the former party chairman. Her name is Jane Timken, and she is one of the people who defended the impeachment against President Trump. When the congressman from Cleveland voted to impeach Trump, Jane Timken defended him and called his vote to impeach Trump rational. And so you have these squishy establishment Republicans who are backed by the establishment. You've got the never-Trumpers who are backing J.D. Vance. And then you have me out here. I'm proudly a constitutional conservative. 
I'm proudly pro-Trump. I was the first statewide official in the state of Ohio to support President Trump. In fact, uh, you know, when President Trump was here a few weeks ago, he had a rally. He mentioned one of my opponent's name. She got booed. And when he mentioned my name, the crowd went nuts. And the reason the crowd went nuts is because those are my people, because I'm one of them. I am a Trump supporter. I'm a constitutional conservative, and I'm a fighter. And so you have a lot of money going in, in two directions, the establishment money going behind um, the former head of the Republican Party of your state, and uh, for some reason billionaire money going behind uh, this fellow Vance, who I don't know. Both of them are welcome on this program if they, if they wish to come on the program, of course. Um, and, uh, and I suspect you're going to need the support of individuals uh, and not so much billionaires. Isn't that correct? That's exactly correct. So any of your listeners who are willing to chip in 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, the website's very simple. It's joshmandel.com, J-O-S-H-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. I can tell you that our campaign here in Ohio is built on a foundation of grassroots conservatives. Instead of running our campaign through Republican Party groups, we're sidestepping the Republican Party groups, and we're running the campaign through churches. We've been having these events at churches throughout the state of Ohio because I've been a strong fighter for and defender of the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America. And when I do these town halls at churches, Mark, I always talk about in the Judeo-Christian ethic, we acknowledge good versus evil, and we have a tradition, a willingness to fight for good over evil. And for any of your listeners who want to help me fight for good over evil, to take on the secular left, to take on the radical left, and to take on these squishy establishment Republicans and never-Trumpers, I'd be honored to have your support. And that's joshmandel.com, josh, M-A-N-D-E-L.com. Well, you know, I endorsed you, you a few it. years back, didn't I? You did. You did. You, you endorsed me a few years back. I'd be honored to earn your endorsement now. I uh, recently got endorsed by the Senate Conservatives Fund. This is an organization that does not do too many endorsements, but they, they've endorsed people in the past like Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and others. I've also proudly been endorsed by the Club for Growth. I'm a huge fan of the Club for Growth. They're at the pointy tip of the spear in standing up for liberty, individual liberty, and fiscal responsibility. They've endorsed me as well. And our mutual friend, Mike Lee, endorsed me also. Um, so I, I would be more than proud to earn your endorsement, Mark. Well, I, 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 I'm going to endorse you. I endorsed you before. Nothing has changed. I believe that you'd be in the United States Senate. I believe that you would be part of the Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, uh, Rand Paul, some of the others. Um, whether, whether some of them endorse you or not is of no consequence to me. I would have no reason to change my endorsement. You have been consistent in your viewpoints and your principles for years and years and years. You've been willing to take on the establishment party. Now you're willing to take on the never-Trumpers. And, uh, and I share your principles. That's the most important reason. So, of course, I will endorse you from this platform, uh, which, uh, which I use in the past to endorse other candidates as well. So... Uh, it's joshmandel.com, joshmandel.com. When it comes to fundraising, he's definitely the underdog. Uh, but when it comes to hard work, going through the communities throughout the state of Ohio, 
going to churches and synagogues throughout the state of Ohio, uh, standing up uh, for our principles consistently, not uh, recently, but consistently. Uh, I, I think your opponents are afraid of you. I think they're afraid of you. I think that's why they're trying to raise a fortune in money to cut you out right now. Um, I think the, the, uh, the, the Republican establishment in Ohio, if not beyond, is afraid of you. I've seen this with Ted Cruz when I endorsed him. I've seen it with Mike Lee when I endorsed him, and Mike Lee's up again. I saw it with Marco Rubio back in Florida in the day uh, with the Tea Party and so forth. I see it with you, too. You're of that movement. You're of that, that genre. You always were, which is exactly why I endorsed you back then, and I'm endorsing you now. It's the same, pretty much the same element that is, uh, that is coalescing against you, isn't it? Exactly. I, I had a friend say something to me today, Mark. He said, you are honored by your friends, but you're distinguished by your enemies. And I can tell you, I am extremely proud, and I wear it as a badge of honor, that my enemies are the Republican establishment, and my enemies are the never-Trumpers. And they might have more money than we do, but we've got an army of grassroots conservatives and Trump warriors throughout the state of Ohio and throughout the country. I guess I'm pretty distinguished, given all the enemies I have, Josh. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we wish you all the best. Any of your opponents want to come on, they're happy to do so. In the meantime, we will have you back. When is the Republican primary? It's uh, next May. Next May. So we have a little ways to go. Uh, but they're trying to squeeze you out as fast and as early as they possibly can, trying to affect the outcome. And so from time to time, we will bring conservatives, patriots, constitutionalists on this program from every state, from every di- congressional district uh, on this program, as I've done over the decades. All right, my friend, you be well. Take care. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having my back. That's Josh Mandel, ladies and gentlemen. He's a war veteran on top of everything else. I'll be right back. Now, ladies and gentlemen, people are saying to me, so I'm looking again, over at Amazon.com. This guy, Michael Wolf, who is a hitman who hates Trump. Michael Bender, the Wall Street Journal, another hitman who hates Trump. They're in the number two and three position on Amazon.com. And not far behind them, released next week, is a twosome from the Washington Compost, a hit twosome who also hates Trump. Now, the, the first hitman, Michael Wolf, is landslide, the final days of the Trump presidency. It's full of gossip, among other things. And then the third place is Michael Bender of the Wall Street Journal, Frankly, we did win the election, the inside story of how Trump lost. Then in the sixth position is, I alone can fix it, Donald J. Trump, catastrophic final year, where they're attacking him on the virus. Folks, enough of this crap. Enough of this endless, phony journalism. Enough of this gossip. We're facing a true enemy today. These same media clowns, such as they are, They don't do an anal exam of Joe Biden, Dr. Jill, their family, his brother, his son. They're cover-up artists. They're censorship artists. They are, as what I say they are, they're the Praetorian Guard. These are part of the problem, these people. These are frauds and phonies, in my humble opinion. They're not journalists. They're not trying to seek objective facts and news and report it to you. 
Certainly not the way I see it. They're part of the problem. And next week, perhaps the end of this week, we'll go into that chapter. It's chapter 6 of American Marxism. What is it that they're doing? What is it that they're trying to do, apart from the superficial? Where does this ideology and this so-called profession come from? It's relatively new. They're out of the closet. They don't give a damn what you think about them. They're really there for about a third of the country. They want to represent about a third of the country. They dismiss about two-thirds of the country. And they could care less. Now, what do I mean by that? The one-third, the fanatics and the zealots, with whom they agree and agree with them, who are part of the Democrat Party establishment, party of the American Marxism, various movements, that they all defend and support, they never step out. One-third of the country is indifferent to everything, and then there's the third of us. I'd actually say much more than a third. But they figure, CNN, MSNBC, these dead old newspapers, these networks that are dying on the vine, they figure if I can just get a big percentage of this base, our base, which is the same as the Democrat Party base, we'll be okay. We don't need them all. We just need a big percentage of that base. And that's what they play to. And many of these phony journalists come out of the base. Come out of the Democrat Party. This is who they are. You're not going to get a break. And so here we have three so-called journalists, two of the Washington Compost, one with the Wall Street Journal, writing hit jobs on Trump, who's not even president anymore, and giving a complete pass to Joe Biden. This is another reason it's important. If you haven't yet, to jump in with both feet. You can get American Marxism, honestly, at every single retail bookstore, small and large. You can get it at Costco. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it at any of these major warehouse stores. You can get it at Books a Million. The lists are out there. When you're shopping tonight, tomorrow, this weekend, and you're in any of these retail uh, places, you're able to access the book. They're all discounted. When you're walking through the airport and you go to Hudson or one of these other places, this book should be right on the front rack. And we've had problems with them in the past. They should be right on the front rack where millions and millions of people over the weekend walk by and they see it. And when you have this book under your arm, it'll be a badge of honor. We'll be able to identify each other as patriots who want to save this country. I hope you'll jump in if you haven't. And those who have, God bless you. We've got a country to save. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you all, and thank you, Levinites and patriots. See you tomorrow.